Joshua Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. We are live once again from Brooklyn, New York. Beautiful Wednesday afternoon. So much going on in the world of sports. I mean, you got legends leaving. You got you'll have um, legends still writing their story right now. The word legend is very important in this. You got legends still being uh, degraded because of uh, a certain football situation. We had more breaking news this morning in regards to Tom Brady. It just seems like there's always something going on, and it all has to deal with a lot of the uh, the all-time greats in each sport. Whether it's baseball with David Ortiz, or football, like I said, with Tom Brady. You have a Serena Williams situation, obviously, with tennis. And then you have the leaving of another legend, who quite arguably would be the greatest power forward of all time in the NBA. Of course, you know I'm talking about Mr. Tim Duncan. Tim calls it a career after 19 seasons. 19 seasons on Monday. He decided to call it a career. All with the San Antonio Spurs. Five championships. 15-time All-Star. Quite arguably one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Has decided to hang him up. And obviously, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people are, are just proud of his career. And, and you know, even the way he went out, he, he didn't do the whole Players' Tribune thing that a lot of players have been doing. Uh, he didn't do a lot of the, like, the, just a special, you know, going away party. That's that's what Kobe Bryant did. So it was kind of expected for a guy like him with his stature to get that type of treatment. But that's just not his personality. I'm forever going to, you know, remember Tim Duncan for these moments, for for not being the guy to do the cliche answer, cliche way of uh, thinking and and trying to be like the, the popular guy on his way out. You know, just trying to just be just continue to be himself. He didn't have to sit back and and say, I'm going to play one more year, struggle through a season, pull a Kobe, play my 20th year. Which he really still has a lot left, in my opinion. Plays 20th year. Struggled through the season most of the time. May play, may not play. Just so he can have the retirement tour. He didn't want to do that. He just didn't even... He didn't even I don't even know how he released the statement. I think he just sent Popovich a text message and said, Hey, I'm out. That's how I think he really did it. We haven't heard from him. Like I actually would love to hear like a press conference from him, but I know he's not going to do that. That's not his his style. That's not his personality. But you're talking about a guy that's been dominant his entire career. Man, like, it, it's it's amazing. Some of the accolades and, and accomplishments this guy is, has had. Uh, I remember as a fan, obviously, of the New York Knicks, seeing him win his first championship on the garden floor. As much as I hated him then, I always respected him. I always felt like the guy played, even at that age, I mean, you're talking about, what was this, like his second or third year? I believe second year. Wins a title. And he was dominant. I mean, he was destroying the Knicks. Granted, Patrick Ewan didn't play, and he was also dealing with David Robinson, but he just destroyed that Knicks front line. I just remember how, how much poise he had for a guy who's only in the second year. He's playing already like he was a 10-year veteran. 
for the most part, he's played his entire career like that. He always thought he was older than what he was until he actually got old. He thought the guy was in his 30s when he was in his 20s. The big fundamental, they call him. I think Shaq was the first person to coin that phrase. The guy was just dominant down low. I just It's hard to put in perspective, like, the consistency, the model of consistency every single year. Get the job done. That's Tim Duncan. Him and Greg Popovich all 19 years together. It's a long time. 19 years together, and, and you never heard of a major rift between the two. You just never heard of it. You, you always heard about you know the, the love that, that he had for his coach and the respect they had for each other. It's very rare that you hear relationships like that. Especially in the NBA where, you know, everybody has a problem with the coach and uh, should he be fired? Should he, you know, ID my own type of coach. There's always these diva type of mentalities. Not once did Tim Duncan have that mentality. Sometimes, in my opinion, he got he was very un- underappreciated until the playoffs. It's not, it wasn't until the playoffs when people started to say, oh, there's that Tim Duncan doing what he does best. Regular season, because he didn't care about the regular season. I think no one in San Antonio cared that deeply about the regular season. He took less money. He reduced his minutes. He did whatever it took to keep his team afloat. I mean, just listen to the numbers. Let's just put this in perspective. 19 years in the league. 18 years of having over 50 wins. 18. And the one year he didn't have 50 wins was a lockout shortened season. It's like amazing stats, all from one guy in his 19-year tenure. You're talking about a guy that took the game of basketball and he simplified it to his core. He used the backboard. He had these these special like angles for shots. He didn't do a lot. There wasn't a lot of movement or anything. Never wasted any movement to the basket. How many times have you seen guys? through different head shakes, you know, moves, uh, all this to get to the basket to score. He gave you the most basic of basic 1960s, 1950s basketball style you could get. And yet he was still giving people the business. That's a special player. It's, it's ridiculous for the fact that people were not acknowledging him for what he is and I love the fact that Popovich allows him and also you see with Kawhi Leonard just to be the quiet people they are in terms of being out there in the media and out there making, you know, things about them. Letting them be themselves. Just letting them be let them let them be basketball players. That's what they want to be. Don't let them be more than what, you know, a lot of media and uh, you know, the sales and, and everything they try to brand you as. Be yourself. I've always respected but respected that about Tim Duncan and and his approach to everything. He was still himself the entire way. That's that's all you can ask for. I'm a Tim Duncan guy because of that. Because I, I think that he embodies what it means to go above the norm. Not being stuck in that box of, okay, you have to be this way. you got to look this way. Because you're a star. Because you're this. Because you're that. you got to be out there in the public. You kind of think about the Larry Bird years and how he was. Yeah, he did the commercials and such. But he wasn't as flamboyant as most superstars should have been. 
when they had that type of elite status. You never got that from a Tim Duncan. Guy executed from game one to his final game in the Western Conference semifinals. All with one team. 19 years of dominance, people. You got to really put that in perspective. 19 years. I don't think we'll ever come close to that with players. I just can't. I can't see that happening. First Battle Hall of Famer without a question. Him and Kobe going in together is going to be amazing. Who who speaks last? That's a good that's a really a fair question for everybody. I guess Kobe, right? Cuz he has like two more All-Star appearances if that's what we're, we're going to count now. But Tim Duncan, my goodness. Just a monster. I was hoping he would come back for one more year because I wanted to see him, Dirk, Kevin Garnett, Vince Carter, all, and Paul Pierce all go out together. And just let, let Kobe have his year and everybody else goes out on that year. I kind of wanted that. But he's going to share it with, with Kobe, which is more than fine. And it's, you know, you got to respect it. The guy did a heck of a job in the NBA. And I'm going to play a lot of... um different like different quotes and comments from people around the league coaches players as well as Popovich who I think gave a, a beautiful a beautiful speech in regards to uh, Tim after making his announcement in a press conference because obviously Tim didn't speak for himself so Popovich was his coach he, he still coached him to the end had his back and he gave a, a great talk to the media and I, you know, I can't wait to really get into that and play that just everything he did for this uh for the organization, uh, not just not just for the Spurs, for the game of basketball. And I, I like I said, just a great all-around talent. Got the job done. Did the little things. Now the Tom Brady situation, which I'm gonna you know I'm gonna address really quickly, is it, it's gonna keep growing. It's gonna continue to be a thing. It's because Tom Brady, you know, they, they upheld the decision. He's going to be, it's going to be for uh, four games. So Jimmy Garoppolo, get ready. You'll be the starting quarterback for the Patriots for four games. I'm hearing that the, that Brady's camp still wants to bring this to the Supreme Court to try to overturn the decision and try to get another last minute switch up like they did last year. I doubt it's going to happen. I think the NFL is real about this. And... It's it's like I said, it's gonna be an ongoing saga, and I know this is this is hard for all the all the hardcore Patriots fans out there, especially the Tom Brady Tom Brady fan base. You guys are strong. I'm not gonna ever disrespect you. I mean, I've talked to different Boston sports fanatics, and they put Tom Brady on such a high, high, high pedestal. I mean, he's up there. I think higher than Larry Bird, in my opinion. It's got to be higher. And just to put in perspective the feelings that are going on <laughs> that are going on in New England for all Patriots fans, I thought I'd go to one of the biggest Boston fans out there. And uh, this is actually a clip from, I think, two or three weeks ago. His rant has become infamous now. We're talking about Ben Affleck. Drunk or not, this was about as passionate a speech you're going to get from any fan of any sport. Tom Brady... He's talking about Tom Brady, obviously, but I definitely want to just play 
what he had to say. This is what he said on uh, Bill, Bill Simmons' show any given Wednesday about two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Check it out. And um, it's it just really puts in perspective what every Boston fan, every New England Patriots, Tom Brady fan is feeling right now over, once again, the deflategate the, the situation. And uh, it's, it's, it's gotten out of control. So I definitely want to just leave on a, on a break on this note. Once again, call me up, 516-900-2278. We're talking plenty of Tim Duncan. But uh, this is the reaction I think we're getting from every Patriots and Tom Brady fan this morning. Sports Social with Ed Easton. What they did was suspend Tom Brady for four days for not giving them his cell phone. That's, and for having a friend who called himself the deflator. If I got in trouble for all the things that my friends called themselves, yeah. I would be finished, okay? You want to give a guy, because he doesn't give you his cell phone, a, a punishment? I, I would never give the organization as leak-prone as the NFL my cell phone so you could just look through my emails and listen to my voice. Especially the NFL, the, the, the leak that leaks everything. That's right. So first thing they're going to do is leak this. And I don't know, maybe it's, it's funny, lovely sex messages from his wife. Maybe it's just friendly messages from his wife. Maybe it's maybe Tom Brady's so classy and yeah. such a gentleman that he doesn't want people to know that he may have reflected on his real opinion of some of his uh, co-workers. You right. know, like guys he plays with, guys he plays against, his real feelings. I wouldn't want guys who I didn't think were very good to know I didn't think they were very good. I wouldn't want guys who I, who I thought were great to know I thought they were great. I'd want my, keep my opinions to myself. Surely his opinions about professional football are contained in his emails and his texts and his telephone. Not giving your telephone, to, they're not the FBI. You're not required to, this isn't federal subpoena. You're not required to turn over your bank records. It, it's, it's outrageous. You look at, um, the what's his name? The crew can share if you guys want to cheer for this. I'd be really. Eli. Eli did a whole layout with the New York Times. A whole cute spread two years ago about what goes into an Eli football. Yeah. And it was like a lot of, a lot of massage, a lot of sandpaper, a lot of grit and a lot of grass before Eli will take. Yeah. The whole thing was about how he's, he, he's got to scuff it like Phil Necro before he'll ever put the football in a game. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and nobody even thought to think that there was something wrong with that. They printed it. It ran. Everyone loved it. Goodell thought it was charming. It's a ridiculous smear campaign. And Goodell now doesn't have the integrity, I want to say, frankly. You can have, absolutely say that on HBO. I don't know if my old employer <laughs> would have agreed. Doesn't have the decency to just say, you know what, this is stupid. I was wrong. This is ridiculous. We haven't done anything to, to address this crisis in domestic violence in the NFL, but the football better not be 8% lighter. <laughs> and if we find out it is, you're gone for four games. <laughs>
NBA draft, the San Antonio Spurs select Tim Duncan from Wake Forest University. As soon as we drafted him, as if it was a tough choice, we took a lot of phone calls. People would call and say, hey, we'll give you something, you know, just pick anybody on our team, we'll do this. And I said, yeah, okay, thank you. Pop, here's Tim. Okay. <laughs> so, Pop, all I've heard about from, from since I've gotten here, was that you're going to trade me. That's all I've heard for the last 20 minutes. I didn't know what to expect in the NBA. I didn't know if I was going to be good or, or, or average or, or bad or what it was. Right after I get drafted, Poppy's like, uh, there's summer camp. Do you want to go play? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to play. I'm, of course, I want to get out there and get as much experience as possible. And I show up for that, and I sucked. <laughs> really? I was awful. In summer league? Yeah, it was bad. First of all, you know, the, the number one draft pick doesn't often go to the summer league. So I knew we had somebody with character. And Timmy just grew and grew from there. The San Antonio Spurs win their first ever NBA championship. I would love to uh, just play for as long as I can for Pop because he is 
like a god, basically. You were so consistent this year. I'm trading Tim Duncan. We're trading Tim. When it was time to make the decision, ultimately it was just it was, it was talking to Pop. He was he was probably the biggest part of why I stayed, knowing that what we were building here and, and the family atmosphere and the team, I was all comfortable with that, and uh, that's what made me stay, and that's what has kept me here all these years. San Antonio is back on top once again. The Spurs are the 2014 NBA champions. I think I'd explain it to people as like an evolution. We all changed along the way, and we went through different periods where we were better than the other one, but no matter who was at their best or who was leading us, we found a way to still win and all do it together. That was a little Tim Duncan montage from ESPN they have put together. Just seeing how he sounded from, obviously, his uh, first day being drafted, the uh, relationship between him and Popovich, and everything that they've gone through through the 19 years. And obviously, Tim Duncan hanging it up one Monday, making an official that he is going to retire from the NBA. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. We're talking Tim Duncan and his career. And uh, like I said, the model of consistency. You don't see players stay with one team anymore. We just saw Kevin Durant, you know, jump ship and want to try to win a ring with the Warriors. Such a, a tough a tough like thing to the concept nowadays which you think it shouldn't be but it is and uh, it's a lot of it has to do with how great the coaching is coaching makes it so much easier and having a coach like Greg Popovich is not something that everybody gets a chance to do like the, a chance to deal with I find it funny that hearing the people that have played for Popovich you've heard mixed things about how he's changed their game he's made them take less um, less of what they used to be, like the less that star mentality. You see it with LaMarcus Aldridge even this past season. Still was an all-star, but he wasn't putting up the numbers he was in Portland. It's all for the sacrifice for the team, and San Antonio had an exciting, great season. It's just he obviously fell apart when he came in the semifinals. Popovich's way of helping his players and taking them to that next level, it kind of goes you know, along with Tim Duncan and 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 I just talked about the whole Tom Brady thing. You see how him and Belichick have had this this union forever. Like that's a bond. Also, same bond that Belichick and Brady have. Is it can be related to what's really we we had the we had the the pleasure, the honor to experience when it came to Popovich and Tim Duncan over the years. So, just that whole mentality, and it wasn't us. They just avoided the whole selfish mentality that usually comes with a superstar. It's. It's very rare. It was, uh, I think, a great thing. And I'm going to actually let everybody just take a take a listen to what Popovich says because he delivers the news to the media that Tim Duncan has indeed retired from the NBA. This is some great stuff. I'm trying to wrap my head around why I'm standing here, and he's not. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know why. Uh, it's not Tim Duncan. Uh, to bring any attention to himself. Uh, we've been saying it for 19 years, and he really only cared about doing the best job he could basketball-wise and being who he was for his teammates and uh, being a, somebody who loved you know, his family. So uh, that's really who he is. So this is the furthest thing from his mind. and. Uh, so I figured I better come out here and, and do this and somehow say goodbye to him. 
which is a an impossibility for a lot of reasons. But I, I tried to think of how to compare him and what to say about him. And I, I got a, a few thoughts that might be boring for all of you, but, uh, you know, everybody always talks about who they like to eat dinner with. You know, if you had one night, you could go to dinner, go to lunch with so-and-so. Who would you like to do it with? And people say, you know, Mother Teresa and Jesus and the Dalai Lama. And, uh, okay, I get it. Uh, but uh, if you think about a little bit more earthly, worldly type people, you know, people who are interesting, I think of people like, you know, William F. Buckley on the right and Gore Vidal on the left, you know, when they had their debates. Some of you are old enough to remember that stuff. I mean, really clever, incisive people, ideas that blow your mind and all that kind of stuff. And, and I can honestly tell you, uh, my dinner would be with Timmy. Uh, and it would be because he's the most real, consistent, true person uh, I've ever met in my life. He is so genuine that it blows your mind like Buckley or Vidal would in an avant-garde sort of way. Uh, to spend time with Timmy is really sublime uh, in many ways. People don't know about his cleverness you know, I, th I think of people like John Cleese, you know, clever, incisive, sarcastic. Uh, nobody knows that about Timmy. Uh, I can be on him in a game and ask him why he's not rebounding in a relatively stern way uh, and really get on him in front of everybody. And on the way back to the court, he'll say, thanks for the motivation, Pop. Uh, you know, thanks for the support, Pop. And then he'll turn away with his eyes up in the air. Uh, and we'll both start laughing. Uh, and people don't see those things. So, But his teammates have, and that's why his teammates love him, because he's been the best teammate anybody could ever imagine. Think about how many people have played with him. And all Tim Duncan has to do is he raises one of those arms, right or left, and he puts it on their shoulder, and it's a, it's a warmth and a comfort that they feel that allows them uh, to become the best possible player they can be. And we've had a lot of guys go through here and be successful and then go on other places. And it's become because Tim Duncan created that environment for whoever came through here uh, to be able to, to develop and create livings for their families. And we're all grateful to him. Uh, it's, it's not a show of humility in any way, sense, or form. Uh, People who grew up with me know me. Uh, I would not be standing here if it wasn't for Tim Duncan. You know, I'd be in the Bud League, the Budweiser League, uh, someplace in America, uh, fat and still trying to play basketball or coach basketball. Uh, but he's why I'm standing here. He's made livings for hundreds of us staff and coaches over the years and uh, never said a word just came to work every day, came early, stayed late, was there for every single person uh, from the top of the roster to the bottom of the roster uh, because that's who he was. So in, in, all, in all those 
respects. Uh, he's irreplaceable. Can't can't happen. Uh, you know, we're all unique, and I guess each one of us is unique. Uh, but he's been so important to so many people that it's just mind-boggling. And to think that he's going to be gone uh, makes it really difficult to imagine uh, walking into practice, uh, going to a game, getting on a bus, uh, taking him a piece of carrot cake, uh, whatever whatever it might be. So he's been true to himself. And uh, I read an article yesterday. And I don't do that very often because most of what you, you all write is junk. So I don't, I don't read it very much. But uh, this was by uh, Jason Gay from uh, the Wall Street Journal. And he pretty much got it right on the head about who Timmy is. And I don't, I don't know how much basketball he watches or you know, who he consulted for the article or anything like that. But he was right on the money as far as Timmy's class and humility and consistency over time. You know, you don't see Timmy beating his chest uh, as if it's the first time a human being dunked a basketball, uh, as a lot of people do these days. He's not pointing to the sky. He's not glamming for the cameras. He just plays. And we've seen it for so long that it, it becomes almost uh, mundane, but so special. And it has to be remembered. Uh, Jason Gay, this, this uh, author from the article yesterday, he said that, uh, to quote him, I think he said, uh, he hid in plain sight better than anybody he'd ever seen. And it's true. And I, I, I just tried to think of somebody like that. And I'm a, I'm a foodie. I'm a food wine, wine guy. So the name that popped into my head was Anthony Bourdain. Like, nobody knew who the hell he was except foodies. And after he wrote his first book, he became popular. And all of a sudden, he's on CNN. He's doing these travel shows. And uh, he's talking about, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's erudite. Uh, he's incisive. He, he's a people lover. He's talking about the Ramones. And he's talking about hooch. And he's talking about food. And uh, everybody says, who is this guy? Well, he's been there all along. Uh, and just didn't notice him in the beginning. And it's been that way with Timmy. Uh, you know greatest player in his position he's ever stepped on a court and now people are saying oh yeah you know that kind of thing uh, Timmy doesn't care Pop did you also read the Wall Street Journal piece about the social psychology paper that Tim wrote at West Point yeah Timmy's a uh, we all know he's a grad but he took his education very seriously and uh it's something that he, he relishes and is very proud of. But uh, at this point, uh, I, I can tell you that the thing that made him the happiest, I, I'm, I'm speaking for him now and I hope I'm accurate, but I think the thing that made him happiest beyond you know the fans and his teammates and all that sort of thing uh, was the time he spent with his two children before games on the bench over there. That's who he was. That's who he still is. When did you find out that when he made the decision he made? Yeah, it doesn't matter when I found out. A lot of teams that lose a superstar are left you know, with a big reconstruction period. You guys aren't in that. Hey, how much is his unselfishness as far as salary goes? 
Well, you know, Timmy, along with other people, you know, you know, Manu and Tony, especially over the years, have sacrificed and allowed us to keep a team together. And of course, RC and his staff have been spectacular uh, in keeping the talent level up and searching out uh, gems that no one else maybe knew about or paid attention to. So, you know, a combination of those things has, has worked so that we could continue to, to be a competitive team. As much as he loves the game and you love being around him, him here, any talk about him coming in and helping out in the future? Well, Dave, you and I both know that he's too smart to coach. That's for sure. So <laughs> I don't think we're going to see Timmy going up and down the sidelines much. Uh, but I, I have a notion that you know he'll at least listen to being involved somehow or other, maybe even on a part-time basis, not a full-time basis. I don't know. Uh, but I'm certainly going to hit him with everything I have to try to keep him around here as long as we possibly can uh, because he means that much to to everyone uh, as we've mentioned already. What you put one thing organization I just think uh, you know the, the the aura that he creates the iconic figure that he established for us all those years, the security, the safety net, the home plate, the hub of the wheel, you know, all that sort of thing uh, is who he was as a player. Uh, even when he didn't score as many points the last couple of years, people still don't realize how efficient he was defensively. Just look to see where he ranked this last year as an individual player defensively, and you'll, you'll figure that out very quickly. Uh, offensively, people know how to react because of where he's at. He'll move on a court and react where other players wouldn't have a clue and they'd just be in the way, but he knows where to go. Uh, so even though his production stat-wise wasn't the same, uh, we, we won 67 games because he still uh, was the center of everything that we did at both ends of the court, even though other people scored more. So we'll, we'll miss that and have to figure it out. Uh, other people will have to step up leadership-wise. Uh, that'll be a huge thing for us. Who's going to step up and be that that quiet leader that everybody responds to and respects and feeds off of? Uh, not a lot of people can handle that. So we'll see where that goes. There's a romantic idea about going up, winning, going out, winning a championship. Is there beauty in the way that Tim went out? Uh, you know, Tim. Everybody's different. People go out at different times for different reasons. But uh, this is the way. One would always expect Timmy to go out. You know, he's the same person as far as his values and uh, opinions of himself as the day he came in. I can still remember uh, before his father passed away looking at me in the eye and saying that I'm going to hold you responsible to make sure that when he's done, he's the same person he is now. And in that respect, he is. Uh, he's grown as a, as a person, as we all do, through experiences. But his inner core, uh, he was over himself when he came in. And after all these accolades and all this success, he's still gotten over himself. Hasn't changed a lick. Just try to talk him out of it. No.
I'm so tired of coaching him. He's so stubborn. I would never, <laughs> I would never try to talk him out of anything. His uh, ability to accept, accept direction in coaching was that pretty evident early, or, or something that you had to kind of feel him out for? Uh, that, that's a great point. He, uh, his willingness to allow me and, and my staff to coach him, uh, and you know, coach him critically. Uh, you know, you did well, you did poorly. Here's the deal. Uh, that allowed for a lot of success because that set the tone for every other player that's ever come through that door. Because uh, so, when somebody like him accepts and wants direction in coaching and responds to it so well, it makes it very difficult for anybody else to uh, go in a different direction. So that was, that was huge for our success. What do you teach you about leadership? That there are all kinds of leadership. Uh, his was a quiet, you know, he doesn't wave a towel. He doesn't give speeches. Uh, when he speaks, uh, it's for a purpose. Less is more, in a sense, uh, with him. And so when he did speak, it meant something to people. And he led by example. Uh, he had a vision. Everybody bought into his vision. Uh, he was accepting. Uh, he was not judgmental of people. He didn't really even need to demand because they knew inherently that what he expected was what they saw in him and what he did every day in practice and in games. How he handled a loss. Uh, how he handled our loss in Miami in the finals. How he handled our win against Miami in the finals. Uh, that's who he was, and that's how he led. I want a girl with extensions in her hair, bamboo earrings, at least two pair, a Fendi bag and a bad attitude. That's all I need to get me in a good mood. She can walk with a switch and talk with street slang. I love it when a woman ain't scared to do a thing. Standing at the bus stop, sucking on a lollipop. Once she gets pumping, it's hard to make the hottie stop. She likes to dance to the rap jam. She's sweet as brown sugar with the candy yams. Honey coated complexion, using cabinet. Let's see it for the girls, she's from around the way.
you say meet me halfway His brother's been popping that gang all day Around the way you're like a neighborhood jewel All the homeboys sweat you so you're crazy cool Wear your gold in the summer with your Viking shorts While you're watching all the brothers on the basketball court Going to the movies with your homegirls crew While the businessmen in suits be hawking you Baby hair pumping, lip gloss is shining I think you're in the mood for whining and dining So we can go out and eat somewhere We got a lot of private jokes to share Lisa, Angela, Pamela, Renee I love you, you're from around the way definition of a professional uh, comes to play every game uh, you know he's a, he's a role model every post player coming up every guy every big man wish they could have a game or the talent that Tim Duncan possessed um, his work ethic uh, probably one of the best teammates anybody could have so uh, like I said just a, just a true definition of a professional that was DeMarcus Cousins of the Sacramento Kings giving his thoughts on the retirement of Tim Duncan, once again, the Sports Social Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Just going through, um, obviously, giving a uh, the complete honor of this hour to Tim Duncan for everything that he's done to the game of basketball, officially retiring this past Monday after 19 seasons. This guy is a former MVP award winner. And uh, it's, it's like I said, there's never been a player like him. And uh, listening again to uh, Greg Popovich, I've never heard a coach speak passionately about a player in, I think, ever in my life. I'm not even talking about NBA. I'm talking about in general. I don't think I've ever heard it before. This was, this is up there. I mean, he literally just went on and on about great moments and just how he, how he affected not only the franchise but the game of basketball and and just his life in general. I mean, you're talking about Popovich saying that he's the reason why he's still coaching. And, you know, a lot of coaches won't say that. A lot of coaches will never put themselves on the line like that, but obviously Popovich is different, and his whole, like, demeanor when it comes to just how much Tim Duncan meant to the game of basketball, how much he meant to the franchise, there's no measure really how to, you know, put that into words. Like I said, a former MVP award winner, 15-time All-Star, numerous accolades, all first-team honors multiple times, defensive honors. He did everything at that position. Guy won five titles, you know, and it's just a testament to how good he was. Just ridiculously good. Spurs always run in contention. It was kind of like you just write them in beginning of the season. It doesn't matter what their team looks like. 
they're going to be in the playoffs regardless. That's That was always the mentality. So uh, definitely a guy that will be missed. Everything he's brought to the game of basketball, it's it's really amazing. And we definitely had an honor to uh, to watch him for all these years and just get an understanding of the type of player he was. Because uh, Tim Duncan definitely once once in a lifetime type of player, and um, in a league where you have so many superstars that are very show me, you know, I'm in the camera, I'm in front of the camera, I'm I'm a big time celebrity. He was the complete opposite, and the guy still got the job done. And his work ethic, his work ethic, and his business really did the talking more than anything he could promote or say about himself. So it's amazing, just an amazing player, and he will be missed in the NBA. Now, uh, that was DeMarcus Cousins we heard from. This is Jason Kidd, who actually had a, a very interesting interview. This was also during Summer League. A lot of these players are, are around for uh, Summer League camps for the up-and-coming talent. And uh, Jason Kidd was there watching the Milwaukee Bucks Summer League team. And he gave his thoughts on Tim Duncan in an interview with ESPN as well. And uh, this is what he had to say in regards to Duncan's retirement. Very interesting stuff, especially with the whole not teaming up with him option that he had a uh, year after facing him in the finals. Well, I think it's going to go down to uh, basketball. Uh, people is one of the best all time. Uh, you know, Tim's game is quiet. He's not flashy. And so there's probably going to be people that overlook him because of that. Uh, but when you look at his numbers uh, in the rings, the things that he's accomplished, uh, he's going to go down as one of the best. Now, your career, you happened to run into Duncan during his prime. And one of your best seasons, you turned the Nets around, won 52 games. It was a 26-game improvement. You had one of your best seasons of your career. Um, you finished 12 first-place votes shy of Duncan. Did you ever tell him you thought you might have been robbed that season? No, I. you know, when you talk about Duncan, you can't say that I got cheated. I, you know, I think uh, just being coming second to him is an honor in itself. Uh, but, you know, the biggest disappointment is maybe not joining them. Uh, joining San Antonio and trying to win a championship when I had the opportunity of becoming a free agent. I was going to say, after you lost to him in six games in the finals, you had the chance to go down there, visit San Antonio as a free agent. How close were you to becoming a Spur? And when you look back on your career, do you wonder what could have been with you and Duncan? Yeah, I thought I was going to be a Spur. I, I you know, committed you know, when I was down there on my visit. Uh, and on the flight home, I think I got uh, cold feet. And uh, sometimes I have nightmares about that. But, you know, maybe I could have won a championship or two there. Uh, but I got very lucky with Dallas and won a championship. So, wait, you told Greg Popovich you were coming and before you left and then you got on a plane and changed your mind? Yeah, there was, uh, you know, turbulence on the airplane. And so uh, I, was, I wanted to go to San Antonio. I, I told them I was coming. And uh, I had to tell them that I changed my mind and stayed with the Nets. When you landed in New Jersey? When I, it was a day later that I had to tell them. But when I got back to Jersey, uh, when I started thinking about the process, I felt a little bit more comfortable just staying home. But it's something I sometimes regret that I wanted to see if I could have won a championship in uh, San Antonio. Now, you happened to run into Shaquille O'Neal on your first trip to the finals with the Nets in his prime. Then Tim Duncan the next year in his prime. How dominant was Duncan in those NBA Finals? He was unstoppable. You know, that's why he's going to go down as one of the best. You talk about Shaq. I would put Tim Duncan in that same category. You know, he's a guy that, yeah, Mr. Fundamental, just think, kept things simple. Uh, you know, he just is a great teammate, 
you know, a great player, a great person. And so when you have those ingredients and a champion, you know, you just want to be a part of that and have the opportunity to play with them. But I only got to play with them in All-Star games and uh, in Team USA. So uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to play with them with the Spurs. Interesting words from uh, Jason Kidd talking about wanting to play, wanting to play with Tim Duncan. And, uh, you know, I, I think about, because I remember that time, that was right after the uh, the loss again in the finals for the Nets back-to-back years. Jason Kidd's a free agent, goes to San Antonio. I did hear rumors before about him saying that he wanted to play in San Antonio. Then obviously he came back to Jersey. It's a little bit, you know, you hear it now all these years later. Man, think about that combination. Do you think Jason Kidd would be as good in terms of numbers-wise if he had went to San Antonio? Do you feel like he would have been a better player? You can't help but, like, think about that stuff. I, I, I always think about that Nets team and how they always never really had an active big man. You know, you had Kenyon Martin, you had an athletic player in him, but he never had that guy, like, close to a Tim Duncan. But uh, Spurs clearly did well, and, and Kidd did get his ring with Dallas, but... That's something that, you know, to think about. He talks about the respect that he had for Duncan, and he gave us a little bit extra information there. So, um, wow, that's a regret, a regret that he never got a chance to play with Tim Duncan on a team. That's a interesting topic, interesting thing that people are going to think about now when they go back in history and go back to that time because free agency back then, it wasn't like now when everybody wants to play with each other. It was more like they wanted to, to be competitive. That was the overall thought of the league. There was no rule against joining up and doing big teams, but there was sort of like a pride thing where you rather win it on your own instead of joining up with somebody. And that's something that has been lost in today's era. And, you know, you talk about with, with Jason Kidd and, and uh, Tim Duncan and that era that they represented. That era is dead now. It's, it's such a join me, you know, if you can't beat them, join them type of league. And you, you don't get the stories like this. Um could you imagine? Like, this was in his prime, Jason Kidd. In his prime, Tim Duncan. That would have been insane. My goodness. I mean, that's that's the type of things you're looking at when you talk about teams. So, you never know. And uh, this is just another, um, another comment. Uh, of course, Charles Barkley has his thoughts on everything in the NBA. So, why wouldn't Tim Duncan be any different? This is in, in the middle of a... Uh, of a summer league game, this was between Toronto and Dallas. He uh, chimed in on the phone talking to the commentators while the game is going on in Vegas. That's how big the breaking news was. So this is what Charles Barkley had to say on the matter. Of Tim Duncan as a pro, what did you see from him during the two decades that he well, played in this league? Well, I got you. Obviously, he's the greatest power forward ever. And to do it in one city makes it even more remarkable. You know, um, the guy was just... The thing that amazes me the most is when he wasn't the best player on the team, when he turned it over to Tony Parker and not Kawhi Leonard, the way he handled it with dignity, that's probably his greatest legacy. Charles, when you talk about Tim Duncan, like you said, uh, so many people talk about him being a great teammate. Uh, talk about his play, what, how he changed that power forward position, planted at a seven-footer, and also planted alongside David Robinson. Them two and the matchups you probably had with those guys. Well, you know, Smitty, I've always said that Kevin McHale was the best player I've played against. With his moves down on the post and everything, that made him remarkable and unstoppable. His, his up and under, his jump hook. And Tim Duncan was just probably a little more athletic than Kevin McHale. You know, I, I didn't play a lot against him, but just obviously I've been watching and broadcasting. But 
to me, like I said, Kelly McDill's the best player I ever played against. But Tim Duncan was just like him, but probably just a little more athletic. Probably had a better jump shot. Uh, but like I said, he's easily the greatest power forward ever. And uh, man, to play in one city with that organization is amazing. Charles, you mentioned uh, the greatest power forward to play ever, in your opinion. So you'd have to put, if you had a 12-man roster all time, he's on it, correct? Yeah, you know, I said in my list on the, on the you know, I, I get grief and trying to put LeBron past Kobe and Tim Duncan. I said, he's not that yet. I said, you know, my top five are Michael, Oscar, Kareem, Bill Russell, and Will. I got Kobe six and Tim Duncan seven. And I think you got Bird, Mary, Jerry West, Belgian Bill, all those guys like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, depending on where you want to put them. Uh, but LeBron's right there if he can win a few more championships. But I got him as the seventh greatest player ever, in my personal opinion. Charles, uh, you, you mentioned longevity in one market, which is remarkable. Kobe, of course, comes to mind. And then the other, Dirk Nowitzki, who just got a two-year contract from Dallas, coming into his 18th year at the age of 38. Are those days gone, you think? What? Were you going to see a guy that's going to spend, if you know, good Lord willing, he can he can play that long. He's going to spend that amount of time in one market. I hope not, because I love it when guys stay to play their entire career in one market. It's pretty amazing if you can do that, especially if you've been great. I'm not talking about role players, but if you've been a great player, I would love to see you play your entire career in, in one community. But you know, Kevin, that's the one thing that made Tim Duncan so amazing. You remember now. Did he turn that team over to Tony Parker yeah. and Ginobili a couple years? Now it's Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge. And how many superstars got the Eagles, well, lack of Eagles to be able to do that? That's what makes them great also. Charles, not only that, but the style of play, I think you would agree. I mean, you know, obviously when he was the focus, he's getting the post touches. And then when the two young guys come along, Ginobili and Parker, they want to get up and down the floor. To get into the passing game and running more, and he was able to adapt to that beautifully. Yeah, he did. He was able to adapt to it. But like I say, you should, but that just means he has to check his ego at the door. Yeah. Uh, that's the point I'm trying to make about just being a remarkable teammate and just being a wonderful person. Because, listen, we all been around guys. Steve knows that. Some guys don't want to pass that torch. All right. Chuck, when you look at this team, San Antonio Spurs, as we, as we transition from a Tim Duncan unbelievable career, they pick up Pau Casal. What do you think they can do? And how far do you think they can go? Listen, I think before everybody has the Warriors championship, I think these people got to talk about I love what uh, the Clippers are done. I think going out and getting most space is going to help them. They've obviously got to get healthy. But I really like what the Spurs did going out against Paul Gasol. You know, you know, I think it's going to be interesting with all them small guys the Warriors got. They're going to give the score. But can they stop anybody? Or can they rebound? I think the same problems they had, uh, last year, like I say they got Kevin, who's a great player, but they still gonna have to rebound the ball and play defense on those big guys down low. Charles, we wish you were here, obviously, but we wish you the best. Have a great summer, man. We'll talk to you later. Hey, 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 just listen to me. If I was there, I wouldn't be broadcast. I'd be at the blackjack table. <laughs> <laughs> with a tea time tomorrow, no question. And we'd be there with you, brother. Thanks very much. That was uh, Charles Barkley, obviously, giving his little comical uh, thoughts at it. This is during Summer League, calling in on NBA TV, talking to Steve Smith, and uh, just giving his thoughts on uh, Tim Duncan and his retirement. And like I said, it's, it's something that changes the way people look at players. He's the last of his kind. I, I don't think – I mean, maybe you could give Nowitzki because Nowitzki has been with 
the uh, Dallas Mavericks for 18 years and and going. So you got to give Nowitzki his due as well. It's it's not an easy thing to uh, stick with one team, but uh, just you got to give the respect to Tim Duncan and how he's done it so flawlessly over the years. That's just great stuff, and uh, he will be missed in the NBA as well as just sports and just the way he played the game. Very rare, very rare. Uh, when we come back in the second hour, we're going to definitely discuss Wimbledon. Got to wrap that up. You got to talk about Serena Williams. I mean, you talk about she ties the all-time women's Grand Slam record held by Steffi Graf by uh, winning the winning winning in Wimbledon this past weekend. Just amazing stuff, and uh, I think she just needs more credit. And you know, I hear a lot of time about people saying, "Oh, she gets a lot of love." Listen, what she's doing is ridiculous at her age, and um, I think you got to really show her respect with that. Also, another legend bows out at the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Today's just a legendary day. That's just the best way to put it. We're just talking legends. We already talked a little Tom Brady. We already talked a, a big hour of uh, Tim Duncan his retirement. You're going to talk a little Serena Williams when we come back. Once again, at number 516-900-2278. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM.
just ran out with that other fella. Baby, I knew about it. I just didn't care. You just don't understand how much I love you, do you? I'm here for you. I'm not out to go out there and cheat all night. Just like you did, baby, but that's alright. I love you anyway. And I'm still gonna be here for you to my dying day, baby. Right now, I'm just in so much pain, baby, because you just won't come back to me, will you? Just come back to me. Yes, baby, my heart is lonely. My heart hurts, baby. Yes, I feel pain too. She will surely be that she was in a class of her own. Kerber was brave. She took everything. That was uh, Serena Williams, the final moments as she clinched her 22nd Grand Slam championship, winning in the finals of Wimbledon. And uh, 14 years since her first win at Wimbledon. It's, it's crazy how dominant she's been the entire time. Uh, you know, she looks to break the record at the U.S. Open. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm actually going to see if I can try to go to some of those matches. What she's done has just really been uh, incredible. I've, there's no other way to describe it. I mean, she's really just changed. She's changed the way you look at the sport, the way you think of women's tennis. She's revolutionized the whole, just the whole game itself. And, and it's really great. 
it's just really great and um, empowering, you know, to empower women, not only in this sport, but in just all all facets of life. I mean, she's taken it to another level. And I just think she doesn't get enough praise for what she's done. And I think I still feel like she has so much more tennis left. Everybody talk about when she's going to retire, when is Venus going to retire. They also won doubles. I think people f- tend to forget that, too. They both won doubles together in Wimbledon. And uh, she's just just taking it to the next level. That's that's really what it is, you know. Beyonce, they had Beyonce and Jay-Z in the front row at this matchup. Um, I thought one of the funnier moments there is that Beyonce, like, she got up a little bit delayed. She wasn't sure if the match was over. You could tell, hey, she may not be a, uh, a tennis fan there, but she is supporting her friend. And uh, we all know that she was in the video for Beyonce's um, Beyonce's latest single. So Serena Williams, 22 Grand Slams, t- ties with Steffi Graf, looks to break it in about, a, I think I say about a month or so, or a month and a half until we start talking about the U.S. Open. I think she gets number 23 right away, gets it out of the way. How much longer she plays is up to her. I think she wants to put that record so far out of reach. It's uh, it's incredible stuff, just incredible stuff. I honestly thought Tiger Woods would break the major, you know, major championships record way before Serena Williams would, but uh, you see how things change over time. So just her training, her consistency, everything she's done to get to this point, nothing short of amazing, nothing short of amazing. It's it's just wow. So you got to give uh, Serena Williams all the credit in the world. And uh, this is what she had to say during her final press conference at Wimbledon right after the win. Uh, yeah, I think it was a great final. Um, she played really well. We had a lot of long, tough points. And, you know, I think every single point I worked for and nothing was given to me. So, um, yeah, I made for a really good match. Yeah, I've definitely had some sleepless nights, if I'm just honest, um, with a lot of stuff coming so close and, you know, feeling it and not being able to quite get there. But my goal is always to win at least a slam a year. So, you know, I was getting down to the pressure. <laughs> well, this, 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 this tournament, I came in with just a different mind frame and a mindset. I knew that. Um, you know, in Melbourne, I thought I played well, but honestly, Angelique played great. She played better, and she, you know, she just played really good tennis. Um, so I knew that going to this one, I just needed to keep calm and, you know, be confident and just play the tennis that I've been playing for well over a decade. Actually, I felt a little more stressed in the first set, and then after I won that first set, I got a little calm, and then at one point, I really, really took a deep breath, and I was like, Serena, you, you just, if I can just play my game, I know that I have a really good chance at, at winning this match. I feel like my serve has been really good since, I don't know, the third or fourth round, um, and I felt like uh, today... I knew with the conditions it would be better if I served great because it was really windy out there. Um, and once I got down that break point, I just knew that, you know, it was her first break point and I wasn't going to let it go on the very first one at least. So I wanted to hit an ace. Yeah, I just felt, a, you know, a lot of pressure, I, I guess. I put a lot of that pressure on myself, um, you know, um, 
obviously had some really tough losses, but, you know, if you look at the big picture, I was just thinking about, you know, getting to three finals, Grand Slam finals, and, you know, in the past eight Grand Slams, I don't know how many finals I've been in, so it's it's pretty impressive. And so I had to start looking at positives and not focusing on that one loss or per tournament, which really isn't bad, and for anyone else on this tour would be completely happy about it. So once I start focusing more on the positives, I realized that um, I'm pretty good. And then I started playing a little better. <laughs> All right. So that was Serena Williams giving her thoughts after Wimbledon. And, you know, just her mindset, keeping it loose. She talks about just wanting to win one Grand Slam a year, which I, hey, a lot of people just want to make the semifinals. And she's talking about just winning one Grand Slam a year amazing uh just like i said it's just the overall just the overall package of what she brings to the game and you're pretty proud to see how she's how she's handled all the pressure all the people looking at her and still delivering i mean let's be honest everybody in the world is even looking for you to fail or win here and uh she continues to to just to prove her doubters wrong and and just make things happen. That's that's the best part about about what she's done. And um, what can you say? You know, she's the greatest in the world. Congratulations, congratulations to her for that. That's just a just a remarkable job by uh, Serena Williams. Now, to not be you know excused or ignored, Annie Murray did win on the men's side. I know it's not something that we, you know, has been talked about as much as it should, but that is huge for a guy, you know, going back and winning in uh in Wimbledon. He won here before. Been through a little bit of a drought, but uh picking up the huge win at Wimbledon in in really a tough year, especially with Djokovic getting knocked out at in the uh first I think it was the opening round they had Djokovic get knocked out, which is very rare in itself. But um once again Andy Murray back on top picking up a huge, huge win in the uh, singles the singles finals. So uh, this is what he had to say to the media in regards to it. And uh, when we come back, we're going to go talk some All-Star Game baseball. The festivities that took place the last couple of days. So uh, keep it tuned in. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Yes, yeah, I mean, it is different. Um, I feel I feel happier this time. I feel... Uh, yeah, I feel more content this time. I, you know, I, f- I feel like I was. This was sort of more for myself, um, you know, more than anything, uh, and, and my team um, as well. They've all worked really hard to help get me in this this position. Um, you know, last time it was just pure relief, and I didn't really enjoy the moment as much. Whereas. You know, I'm going to make sure that I enjoy this one um, more than more than the others. Um, it's just you kind of get dragged in all sorts of different directions afterwards, and you know, I, I just I want to spend this time with my family um, and my closest friends, and you know, the people that you know that I work with. Um, you know, that's that's who I want to be around right now and I'll make sure I spend a lot of time with them over the next uh, the next couple of days and um, yeah, I look forward to that. You know, I wasn't really thinking too much about the 
the previous matches that I played against anyone so this is more just an opportunity to to try and win another Wimbledon Wimbledon title and I was still you know as nervous as I was before the the other Grand Slam finals but um, you know I, I sort of stuck to my game plan very well today and you know, played well from from the front, uh, pretty much the last uh, the last three four weeks, and you know that was that was the same again today. But I, I wasn't thinking too much about the, the previous experiences that I've had. I was just trying to find a way to beat Milos today. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know to be honest what exactly what it means. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, right? I haven't had time to think about that. I'm just really, you know, proud that I managed to to do it again after you know a lot of uh, tough losses in the in the latter stage of the slams over the last couple of years. And um, you know, but I'm also aware how difficult you know these competitions are to win once. So you know, to do it twice here, um, you know, an event where there is a you know, there's a lot of pressure on me to, to perform well here and um, you know, I'm very proud with how how I've handled that over the years. Yeah, I mean I I mean I've spoken about that a lot over the last few months that yeah, it changes you know, changes your life. Obviously having having a child, um, you know, it gives you a different perspective and also yeah, it has given me a little bit of extra motivation um as well to, to work hard, train hard and, and do, you know, all of the, the right things to give myself a chance to, to win these uh win these events and um you know, a lot of people have said like you know, when Roger had kids he started playing, you know, some of his best tennis, Novak the the same thing, but you know, the reality is you still have to put the work in. You know, you still have to have the drive and the dedication to, you know, to train hard. And, you know, I feel more motivated than, than ever just now.
Guys, um, on my behalf, I want to really uh, say thank you to all of you for uh, how you guys have embraced me through the year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been an uh, unbelievable ride. I, uh, this one thing that I can tell you guys about having a great career at this level is the fact that uh, uh, every day, Every day you gotta try to bring something to the table for your ball club. Doesn't matter how you feel. Sometimes you're not gonna feel 100% to do it, but most important thing is the mindset. You know, those days that your mind tell you, "Hey, you can go," you say, "Yes, I can." You know, that's 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 what made the difference. That's that's what you know take you getting to a different level. <clears throat> and you know, me saying that to you guys. I mean, it might be a, a plus, but uh, I also know how hard you guys work every day. I watch from the other side. I mean, I have plenty of time. I sit on the bench <laughs> watching you guys perform, and it's something that I, uh, um, it's unbelievable the job that you guys uh, um, through the years. And now, pretty much everybody in this room, um, I have a couple of years over, and uh, <laughs> and it's something that I. It's, it has been unbelievable. And, um, thank you. I know. Uh, uh, I know a lot of you guys. Some of you guys, you probably have heard about me a little bit. But reality is that uh, the one thing that I really appreciate about the game is getting out of my way to say something to the younger players for them to get the game better. That's something that I. Uh, when I go to sleep, I appreciate that more than hitting a home run, hitting a, 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 a walk off. That's something that, because you know, I got kids. And I would like somebody at some point to do the same thing with my children. That's, that, that's, that means a lot to me, you know. And, and, and I know that through the years, you know, sometimes we're trying to figure things out. And whenever we have that one player, that one veteran that come to us and let us know, how to do it, let us, let us know how to figure it out. It's something that I, it turned out to be very special. And, and you guys in this room, all of you are in that position at this point in your career. Even if this is your first All-Star, even if this is your four, your fifth, your 10, it doesn't matter. You know, guys are gonna look up to you guys that way. When you go back to your club, you walk into the clubhouse, that's the feeling that the guys around you are gonna have from you guys. So that's very special. And, and I hope you guys never forget about that. Everybody now in your ball club gonna be searching, looking at you guys like, that's the guy that we need to follow up so we can be on that room next year. Tonight, let's go out there and whoop some ass. Because, you know, play at home, there's nothing like play at home. Play at home, playing in front of your crowd, is something that uh, it turned out to be very special. So let's go out there. We have a lot of fans that take their time to vote for us have a lot, of, a lot of fans that they get out of their way to make sure that we are here. So let's go out there and do what we know how. Play our best and make sure that this game goes to American League. Thank you, guys. That was David Ortiz addressing the locker room and the AL, the American League team, right before the, um, the start of the game. I mean... You're talking about a guy whose career, you know, just amazing career. He's wrapping it up at the end of this year. Having a great year, mind you. He has about 20 home runs. 
and uh, he just gave his thoughts. This is his last All-Star game, last uh, half of the season coming up. And another legend, once again, you know, just pointing him out there. And what he's meant to the game of baseball, obviously from a designated hitter spot, which I, I believe he's got to be the, either the second or first, depending on how you want to rank him, in terms of greatest de- designated hitters of all time. A lot of people put Edgar Martinez, the great Seattle Mariner, over him. I put Ortiz up there. I think the guy just he crushed the baseball. His time with the with the Red Sox, unbelievable. Huge home run hits. Obviously, you go back to winning the title, you know, and coming back against my Yankees. You got to give hats off to the guy. Great career. And I, I thought it was fitting how they, um, how everybody gave him, you know, his love and everything right after his uh, second at bat. And uh, he got a chance to go up. This was uh, in the third, bottom of the third inning, 3-2 count. This is what happened. This was uh, this is the call from uh, Fox, uh, Joe Buck, giving his thoughts on um, how the ovation, the standing ovation that he received at Petco Park in San Diego. Depending on the situation. Here is a one-out walk. Young one. We'll see if that's it. There it is. <laughs> this is what it's all about right here. The beloved David Ortiz. When Encarnacion came off the bench to do the running and take over at that DH spot. He's more than just a baseball player in Boston for the Red Sox. He was an emotional leader at Fenway Park after that horrific bombing at the Boston Marathon. He has really made himself proud in this long Big league career. His 10th and final All Star game here tonight. That was uh, the call from Fox. Joe Buck letting everyone know his thoughts on uh, David Ortiz as he got a standing ovation after being walked. They actually walked him uh, in the game. Fernandez from the Miami Marlins walking David Ortiz. And uh, just, like I said, just an amazing career for everything he's done. And, um,. The game, you know, obviously the game is, is always going to be the afterthought whenever you have moments like that. 4-2, to two, the American League take it. Eric Hosmer of the Kansas City Royals, he takes home the the MVP award. He had a home run in the second inning. That kind of busted everything open. And uh, Salvador, Salvador Perez, who's his teammate, also hit a home run. So, interesting... Uh, Interesting night for Kansas City fans. It looked like they really wanted that home field advantage. Try to see if they can repeat. But um, like I said, uh, just an amazing night. The uh, weekend was great. The um, big highlight of the week. Well, the weekend is more like two days, I should say. Monday is always the home run derby. And uh, Giancarlo Stanton put on a heck of a show. Uh, we'll definitely hear a little bit of that. But I uh, just want to wrap the show up and say thank you to everybody who tuned in. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll probably have Naomi Gray in studio again. 
Got plenty more to talk about in the world of sports. So uh, make sure you check out sportssocialpod.com. Once again, that's sportssocialpod.com for more information. Until next time, everyone, enjoy some Giancarlo Stanton on our way out. This has been Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Well, guess what? He heard you. It's almost a scoreboard scraper. Oh, he snuck the one, another one out he before did. I got to turn my head around. What a timeout, use! It's over. Everything is it over. Get him. That's, <laughs> that's why they have screens. Frey's going, what's he got, 19? 19? Is yeah. that the bonus round? Uh, yeah. we got to move the bonus round. One more in regulation that didn't make it. Okay, but a bonus, which was earned very early. Barely, barely. Oh, look at him. Like a fighter. Like a fighter. He's in the 12th round. Raise to your feet. Cheer me on through this last 30. I mean, just look at the focus. It's so controlled, really, since Jump Street. The first swing he took.